Welcome to the Cedarville Stories Podcast. When Drew Flam became student body president at Cedarville University, he never anticipated he would end up as president of Grace College and Seminary in Winona Lake, Indiana. Listen as he shares his story with your host, Mark Weinstein. Thank you, Sarah, and hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Cedarville Stories Podcast. I'm Mark Weinstein, and today on the program, I'm talking with a college president who began his career right here at Cedarville University, first as a student and then as a member of the Institutional Advancement Department. Dr. Drew Flam has served the majority of his professional career in Christian higher education. His first position at Cedarville was as Assistant Director of Young Alumni Development back in 2006, and then Director of Annual Giving two years later. In 2013, he accepted the position of Vice President of Advancement at Grace College and Seminary, and two years ago, he became the Executive Vice President at Grace College. Today, Dr. Flam serves as the seventh president of Grace College and Seminary, having been inaugurated in November of 2021. Drew met his wife, Stephanie Heaney, when they were both students right here at Cedarville. He enjoys golf, mountain biking, and spending time with Stephanie and their three sons, Jaden, Rehan, and Bennett. And it's my pleasure to welcome Dr. Drew Flam to this week's Cedarville Stories podcast. Welcome, Drew. Hey, Mark. How are you? It's good to be able to talk to you today. As we start the program, you know, I want to start in a light, you know, lighthearted moment more than getting into you know, what you went through to decide whether you were ready to be the president of Grace College and Seminary. And so I want to begin with how did a young boy from Iowa find his way to Cedarville University as a college student? Oh, that's a, that's fun to walk down that memory lane. And um, yeah, so I grew up in Iowa. Um, so go Hawks and then moved to Ohio for my high school years. And um, all through my growing up years, went to um, Christian schools where my dad was an administrator. My mom was a teacher and they were all in the GARB, the General Association of Regular Baptist Churches, um, which was closely affiliated with Cedarville. Right. And so, you know, we would always go down to Cedarville for Talents for Christ and um, basketball games with the basketball team. And so I, I was very familiar with Cedarville. My best friend in high school ended up going to Cedarville. And uh, I don't think I ever took like an official visit or anything. I, I would come down and visit him. And, you know, I, I just I didn't know any other schools really existed um, <laughs> that that uh, were even options. And so um, I loved it from the first moment I stepped on campus and, and got to know people even before I started. And so that's how the Lord led me uh, to Cedarville to start my career, educational career. In talking with you prior to today's podcast, you told me that you learned some life-changing lessons from quote-unquote failures during your first semester at Cedarville. Some of those failures include not making the men's basketball team or becoming a part of a music team. What did you learn from these failures and how has the Lord used those lessons even in your life today? That's a great question. I, I talk about this with students because I think so many like me, you know, come to college after having a high school experience where they got to do lots of different things. And maybe they were successful on the athletic fields or in music or drama yeah. uh, in the classroom during their high school years. And, and you know, college is a step up. Every Everyone is better, um, better at sports, better at music, better at whatever. Uh, so, you know, I came to Cedarville and tried out for the basketball team, worked hard all summer and 
think Pat Eastup was an assistant coach there and we've stayed friends, even though he cut me um, from, <laughs> uh, from trying out for the, rightfully so, by the way, cut me from being on the team. And, you know, I thought, well, you know, I did music. Maybe I'll try out for, you know, a, a drama or music uh, team. Didn't make that my freshman year. I ran for class chaplain. Um, was not spiritually mature enough to be class chaplain, <laughs> but uh, ran nonetheless, um, probably more ego driven. And again, it, you know, I think I made it to like the where you talk in front of the class, but didn't get voted in. And so it was just it was sort of one disappointment after another. And I hadn't I didn't have a major picked out yet. So I'm like, what am I you know, what am I here for? Like, What am I supposed to be doing? Yeah. And I remember a senior um, uh, at Cedarville came up to me. One day when he had seen me at Southgate Baptist Church uh, attending and he said, hey, you know, I think you would be great working with the youth group, the junior high youth group. And I was like, "Okay," you know, so he got me connected and took me there. And Kyle Eastup um, had just started as the youth pastor there. And so I just started serving in the youth group, you know, just showing up on Wednesday nights and Sunday nights and. That ended in three years of me working with the Southgate Youth Group and being an intern and really finding a lot of meaning and purpose. And so, you know, God's path was very different than my path and eventually led to, you know, different student leadership positions. RA was on the uh, forensic speech team, you know, CAB with uh, Jeff Bestie and Dick Walker and and eventually, you know, even student body president. But um, it wasn't the path I expected to go on and it was more difficult than I expected but it was good for me. Yeah. So back at Cedarville, uh, many seniors who are in serious dating relationships know the statement ring by spring. But as you were concluding your junior year as a student, uh, a serious dating relationship wasn't necessarily in the cards at that point. Uh, so how did you meet Stephanie? There has to be an interesting story there. Oh, my wife, Stephanie. Yeah. So we, um, my junior year was her sophomore year. And both of us had decided to run for student body president, vice president, but with different people. Okay. And eventually those other people decided they weren't <laughs> or couldn't do it. And um, we got connected by a mutual friend and you know, we knew each other, but, but we hadn't spent much time together and started spending some time together and decided, yeah, let's, let's try this. Let's run for student body president and vice president together no one ran against us, so we won. And um, that's a great strategy. It, it is. It's a great strategy. Just make sure all your opponents don't, you know, participate. We won, and then you know we had to hire people. Just spent time together, and she said she started noticing that I was like, hey, you know what? Maybe we should have our next meeting down at you know Beans and Cream, and hey, maybe we should have our. I got a gift card, to Olive Garden. Let's go there for our next meeting. And so you know, our meetings were starting to turn into to to dates maybe. Um, and eventually by the end of that year, we had, uh, we went to junior senior banquet together and um, decided to formally start dating together. And it was really her brother at one point who came on a college visit and was staying in my dorm room. And uh, while we're going to sleep, just out of the blue, he goes, Hey, by the way, Drew, I think you like my sister. Is that true? <laughs> and I was, you know, laying in my bed in my dorm room and i'm like ah you know well, yeah uh, and my roommate just goes yeah he does <laughs> and, and so at that point i kind of had to do something about it because her brother knew and so 
um, we began uh, officially, I guess, dating at that point and then married in 2006, December 2006. So we just finished 16 years of marriage a couple weeks ago. Oh, congratulations. That's that's great. And as a couple, those who know you know that family is really important to you. And yeah. you guys made a really important decision to pursue adoption. Adoption is, as you know, is a perfect example of the gospel in our lives. How does how did that decision to adopt your your sons, two sons, impact your life? It impacted us most significantly. Just just what you said. I think a clear picture of what the gospel is and what our good father um, has done in order to allow me to be a part of his family. And um, both of us separately had come to the decision at some point, you know, when we were married and and older and wiser, we wanted to adopt. And so um, a few years into marriage, kids hadn't come into um, our family yet. And we thought, maybe this is just God's plan for us to pursue adoption now. And so we did. Uh, And we've learned so much as a family that, you know, it's a melding of cultures and we've become a little bit Ethiopian, um, just like our son, Jane's Ethiopian. He's become American, just like we're American. And and so we we try to learn from each other. He's he's allowed us into his life, just like um, we were able to bring him into our lives. Uh, But I think that picture of the gospel was so significant for us and really not even sure we knew how adoption reflected the gospel or to the extent that it did until we started going through the process. And uh, God just really impacted us again with how much he loves us. And so we adopted our our oldest son, Jaden, in 2013, um, ended up having a son biologically uh, a few years later. And then our third son, which happens to be our middle son, age-wise, uh, <laughs> adopted um, after that just a couple of years. So we have three boys, ages 11, 9, and 7. And Rehan is from, did you say Phoenix? Yeah, Phoenix, Arizona. So one domestic adoption, one international adoption, and you know, one kid from Kosciuszko Community Hospital here in Warsaw. It's a great place. It's a great place. <laughs> So let's transition to your career, which has been primarily in higher education, I believe. And providentially, the Lord brought you and Stephanie to Grace 10 years ago to serve in various roles, including, and most recently, as president. What was your journey to Grace like for you and Stephanie? And did Stephanie view your opportunity to come to Grace as kind of a homecoming for her because her parents went to Grace? Those are great questions. I'll give a little bit of the background history. When I graduated from Cedarville as a comprehensive communications major, um, which leads seamlessly into a career, you know, uh, Absolutely. <laughs> I wasn't I wasn't sure what God had in store for me. And um, thankfully, through some connections at Cedarville, ha- was able to go intern with Dr. Tim Elmore. Uh, growing leaders and spent the summer with him. That led to uh, my first job, which was with John Maxwell, um, helping with some of his conferences and and leadership uh, trainings. And that was a great way to start my career. Lived down in Atlanta, was not married yet. And um, but towards the end of being there for uh, about a year, um, I got a call from Cedarville that said, hey, would you be interested in coming back to work in the alumni office? 
And, you know, I wasn't sure about the job itself, but I was sure about working at Cedarville. And I did know that it would be good for our young marriage, uh, which about to get married. And, and so I took that role back at Cedarville um, and my wife took a role in the admissions office yeah. and and uh, which is where you were at as well. Um, yeah. And it, it was great. And soon thereafter, you know, I met some folks in the alumni advancement fundraising world who said, hey, maybe you could do fundraising like that. There's there's a real career there for that. And I had no idea. And I found there my gifts shined and what God had kind of created me for. And at Cedarville, I had a business minor and I had a, uh, a communications major and, of course, a Bible minor. And I wasn't sure if I wanted to go into ministry or business. Well, I found this fundraising thing that was a good blend of both. It was numbers and it was raising funds. It was sales in a sense, but it was with a kingdom purpose. And that was to help students and to steward relationships with donors and alumni and really found something I loved and enjoyed and had some skills at. So was there doing that at um, Cedarville for a number of years. And then when we were about to adopt Jaden, made the change to, uh, come here to Indiana, actually worked at a different institution, right. Manchester University, before I came to Grace. We moved to Winona Lake near family. And again, it was a decision more born out of this is a good move for our family and uh, ended up being a good move professionally because, you know, after being at Manchester for a while, the VP of advancement job opened up at Grace and right. we lived literally down the street. Yeah. Um, and some great people here helped me get connected and was able to take on really what I would have called a dream role. I would have said a few years before, if I could be the VP of advancement at Grace or Cedarville, that, that's my it's my dream job. And so was able to start a dream job here at Grace. And it has been that. It's been fun to watch your your journey. So as, as part of at least my perspective of life, we're part and parcel of the people we interact with and the experiences the Lord allows us to have. Who are some of those Cedarville people or people in your professional career who have invested in you that have helped you become who you are today? Oh, wow. I mean, we could be here for a few hours as I talk about that. And that's one of the beauties of the work I was doing in fundraising, too, is you get to interact with so many amazing people uh, who provide a lot of insights. But, you know, um, during my time at Cedarville as both a student and working there, yeah, certainly Chief Dick yeah. Walker was one of those people who taught me what does it look like to be a servant? Uh, Jeff Bestie and his energy. Um, I worked for Faith Lynn or Faith Vision now, and she was a wonderful mentor and boss. Uh, Dave Bartlett um, in fundraising when I worked there was showed me so much. Uh, and so I could just list in numerous people. Dr. Phipps in the communications realm uh, was wonderful to me as my advisor. Um, and, you know, even more recently, have stayed connected with General Reno. Uh, he was someone I connected with the last few years I was working at Cedarville. And he's stayed connected and continues to, you know, he's got wonderful wisdom, leadership principles. Um, yeah. And he's instilled those into me. And I use some of the things that he helped me with even then about a mission statement for life and uh, a one yep. page that can really tell you um, who I am as a leader, or who I want to be as a leader. Um, connected with Dr. White, he's been wonderful, especially as I've transitioned into this role as president, as 
someone to call and just say, hey, how do you do this? Or, you know, what am I supposed to be spending my time on? Or uh, what are the important things I should be reading? Right now, I'm learning about strategic planning. And he's somebody I reached out to and said, hey, what are the things you read about strategic planning as you put together Cedarville's strategic plan? And he's just been a wonderful resource and so kind to me. Uh, and I could just go on and on and just name so many folks who have invested in me. And I praise the Lord for all of them. Now, when, when we were preparing for this podcast last week, we talked and you mentioned a story involving uh, Jim Phipps. It, it was more about uh, how he allowed you to craft your major, I believe. Tell that story. Well, he, you know, he's a wonderful, uh, I mean, at that time, right, he was mayor, he was he was all everything um, yeah. in Cedarville. And he was my advisor, chair of the communication arts department. And again, I was in that phase of life where I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I knew what I wanted to learn. So I came to him and I said, you know, I'm interested in ministry and, and I'm also interested in business. Uh, I'm interested in people. And so we we kind of crafted this major that included some ministry courses beyond the Bible minor, included getting the business minor, included, you know, some uh, courses in psychology. And just he really helped me and allowed me to explore the things that I was interested in, which has served me so well in life yeah. uh, to be able to equip and learn and grow in those areas that interest me and that are also skill sets um, has allowed me through various jobs, through various places um, to grow and to flourish as a follower. So I'm thankful for him and his investment. Yeah. Drew, uh, a little more than a year ago, Grace's president, Dr. Bill Cater, retired. And when we talked last December, uh, you were unsure if you would pursue the presidency at that point. What were some of the factors that you were considering at that time? And how did the Lord impress upon your heart that pursuing the presidency for Grace College and Seminary was right for you and in, in, and in his plan? That's a great question. Um, and I, you know, I, I think we faithfully walk through doors and, and God opens and, and closes them. But I had two criteria. One was... Um, would it be good for my family? And the second was, would it be good for my soul? Mm. And uh, as we, you know, made decisions about, do we apply? And then, you know, steps along the way and these processes take a while and they're a winding road for sure. Those are just the two things that Steph and I just kept coming back to. Um, is this going to be good for our family? And is this going to be good for, for my soul? And, and by the, my family, I mean their souls too. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I will say even up until the, um, the end point of making a decision, I mean, that, that wasn't crystal clear. There was still a leap of faith. There was still a, Hey, we think this is the right path to go. And Isaiah, um, there's a passage where God says, you know, whether you go to the left or the right, um, I, I will be with you and this is the way walk in it. In other words, like if you pick left, that's going to be the way you should go and I'll be with you. Or if you pick right, that's the way you should go and I'll be yeah. with you. And life isn't always this clear path of this is absolutely for sure what I'm going or need to do. And sometimes it is, but often it isn't. Right. It's the doors that open and it's the choices that come and, and you make them and then you have the confidence that God will provide. 
And I've even said that going into this role. I don't know how this is going to turn out. Um, You know, it it might go great for a long period of time. It may not. But I know that the Lord will be with me because he has made that promise. And uh, up to this point, it has been good for our souls. Not always easy for our souls, uh, but it's been good for our souls. A little bit ago, you, a little bit ago, you mentioned that um, Dr. White uh, has been a key resource for you. Um, you you became a college president at the age of forty. He was right about the same age when he came to Cedarville. So, what what guidance did you glean from your conversations with him? You know, the first question I asked him is, "How do you do this and have a family at the same time?" And uh, when he started, he had young kids, even younger than than mine. And I have young kids who are just in elementary. And so, you know, I knew he had that same priority of being a husband and a dad and a follower of Jesus, that those were, you know, priorities over um, being a good president. And so that was that was a huge question was just what 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 do you do to make sure that that stays the priority? And then it was, you know, what do you do in your first six months or a year? And what what did you um, learn in that first six months a year for him? What were things you'd do over again? What were things you'd do differently? I mean, just trying to figure out what are you supposed to do uh, in that year of really learning the culture, learning the people. And he was obviously coming from the outside. I'm internal here at Grace. But he was just helpful in providing some thoughts around, you know, how to best utilize time and leadership um, here in the first months of a presidency. Yeah. Let's let's shift the conversation a little bit more about grace. I mean, I, I like talking about grace. You're the president of my alma mater. And I know the, the grace model is to know Christ and to make him known. How will you strive to incorporate this model in your leadership model and vision for Grace College and Seminary. It's an honor to be at your uh, alma mater, as I know you feel the same about mine. And we've had that fun kind of banter over the years. (laughs) Yeah, we have. Uh, Back and forth. Uh, To know Christ and to make him known, our founder, Dr. Alva J. McLean, when he um, started Grace Seminary, so we started as a seminary first. Yep. And uh, when he moved Grace Seminary to Winona Lake, Indiana in 1939, long history here, Billy Sunday and and a lot of uh, great um, history with the Christian faith and and preaching and teaching here. And so it was a great place to start a seminary. That was the original mission statement, to know Christ and to make him known. And I I like to tell the story of a a rock that's on campus. It's not quite as big as the rock at Cedarville, but there's a rock here in the middle of our campus. And it has that mission statement on it, to know Christ and to make him known. And I walk by it almost every day. I didn't today because it was raining out, but almost every day (laughs) I walk by it and just remind myself, why am I here today? What is the purpose for this place? And it is to know Christ. How do we know Christ? Well, we, we study his word. He he has told us about himself. Um, We study his world. How, How does his word apply to this world? And that's where all of our various disciplines come in. And then how do we make him known? What does it look like to live like Jesus, Mm -hmm. uh, to be the best at whatever he's called us to be in the name of Christ? And um, that's been a passion of mine, you know, and and why I'm in higher education and specifically Christian higher education, uh, because uh, we need to equip the next generation 
um, to know Christ, to deeply know yeah. his word, yeah. and then be ready to apply it in wherever and whatever they do. And most likely their path is going to be winding just like my path has been winding. But those principles stay the same no matter where you go or what you do. And uh, so that's what I'm passionate about instilling in our students and excited to have this opportunity. That's great. That's great insight. And at your inaugural dinner that I was blessed to be able to attend. Yeah, thank you for coming. Grace passed out to everyone the the Mud Love bracelet with the with the phrase to know Christ and make him known. I that's Got him it. right here on that's my desk. It. Yes. So I put a magnet, I glued a magnet to the back of it and I put that on my refrigerator. So I can I can think of you, I can pray for you and Grace whenever I open up the refrigerator. So thank you for that. So you've been the president for a few months now. Um, what's been the most encouraging aspect of your work? to date? By far, students yeah. uh, have been the most encouraging part. And I um, I came into this role a bit nervous about engaging with students. That's not something I've done in my career. So my, my time has always been either advancement, alumni, donors, or uh, with admissions and enrollment. But actual current students was a new thing for me. And so I was pretty nervous about like, what are students going to think of me? Will I be able to connect with them? Uh, well, they think I'm weird. You know, I, I want to encourage them, but I'm not totally sure how connecting with them is going to go and what it looks like. And, uh, you know, quick side funny story. My like second day on the job when students are back on campus, we have a boat because uh, we're on right. a lake. Right. And so we have a boat and I'm out on the boat with a group of upperclassmen and our freshmen are doing kind of like at Cedarville, a, a canoe race. They had to build a canoe out of cardboard and they race it in the lake that we have. So I'm out there on this boat and um, put the anchor down and we're just watching and the boat starts to drift into shore and it goes over the ropes that protect, you know, the swimming area where yeah. all these cardboard boats are and it, it drifts in there. And I'm like, oh no. So I, I flip on the engine and I back up and I wrap the rope around the engine of this. And this is like my second day, right? And I've got students on the boat and I'm just figuring out what does it mean to like connect with students? And I just, uh, and uh, shut off the engine and these students just jumped off the boat, you know, got it all untangled, uh, fixed it, made it look nice, um, cut the rope so it wasn't, you know, and and, and they said nothing about it. They just, oh, no worries, Dr. Flam. You know, we're happy to help. And that has been a reflection of what my first semester has been. Just students have been so gracious and kind. I've had encouragement notes. I've had, you know, food dropped off at my office. And what I was most fearful about, this connecting with students, has been by far the greatest encouragement. Um, we call ourselves a Christ-centered community, and they've ministered to me. I hope I've been able to do that with some of them, but they have absolutely ministered to me and to my family. So students has by far been the most yeah. enjoyable part of the job. And as I've watched your presidency roll out a little bit from a distance, whether it's on social media or whatever, I can see the students uh, are really resonating with with you as a person and your leadership. So I think you're doing a great job. Keep it up. They have been a ton of fun. So Drew, uh, I've noticed in pictures that you often wear a red belt, which red is part of Grace's school colors. Is this part of the new presidential brand of Drew Flam? I started doing that a little bit before 
Um, but yes, I've got the red belt on today and then red, red shoestrings as well. Here's the truth. I'm a very boring dresser. So I have, um, I have about 10 blue shirts all from Joseph A. Bank. And then I've got these, uh, gray khakis that I found on Amazon that I like that are pretty cheap. And I bought like five pairs of them. So I essentially wear the, the same pair of pants and a blue shirt every day. Um, and I'm like, I need a little something to kind of, you know, change it up. So that's where the red belt came in and red shoelaces on the shoes, just to give just a little hint of pizzazz as if I have any modicum of style whatsoever. Can I give you a little insight or a little uh, guidance? <laughs> sure. I've gone to wearing wild socks. So like ah. polka dots, uh, I, I got a pair of... Um, Socks with golfers on it for Christmas. Uh, the wilder, the better. I think you should go that way too. Here's the thing I need. I need one pair of wild socks that I can just buy 20 of. Cause that's what I like is I don't want to have to think about what I'm going to wear in the morning. I just want to pull stuff off the closet and put it on. Okay. Drew, I've really enjoyed my conversation with you. Uh, you're a breath of fresh air. I, I think great things are in store for Grace College and Seminary under your leadership. And uh, I wish you well, but as as I think about the role of a president, um, I think a key element is to set the vision, help create the culture of the institution. But you also believe it's to be the number one cheerleader for the institution, whether that's the students, the faculty, staff, or or your alumni, for that matter. Do you feel this is really the case and uh, your passion at Grace? I would agree with you 100%. Vision casting is extremely important. And I would say another thing I learned from uh, Dr. White is is how much time and prayer he puts into thinking about vision casting. And so that's been an encouragement and a help to me. Um, but yes, I also think being the number one cheerleader is important uh, on a campus our size. There's so much good going on that uh, that needs to be encouraged, that needs to be um expressed. And so I, I want to be able to show up in classrooms and on ball fields and at concerts and just be able to encourage and say, well done, good job, keep it going. What you're doing is important because in the end, it's about making Christ known. Making Christ known means we do stuff. Um, right. we, we don't just sit back um, and learn. We actually go apply. And so I want to cheer on people who are doing stuff um, and people maybe in a small way, just helping out in the community. I, I love cheering on a lot of our students who help out in our elementary schools here locally, um, including with my own kids and just any way that you can say, well done, you are doing what we say we want done, which is to make Christ known. So what are you seeing on your campus right now that you see as being done very well and you're really optimistic for the future of grace college and seminary i could certainly talk about programs that are excellent we have a lily center for lakes and streams that is one of the foremost you know research centers for freshwater and really taking care of god's creation our accounting program is excellent we have a, an engineering program that is um, just really starting off by getting ABET accreditation. And so there are so many good academic things and our athletic teams have been succeeding the last few years and we're really proud of them as well. But what I get most excited about is when I see our students taking initiative to be Christ to others. Uh, a great example of this is um, 
last semester I was over having lunch with my kids and my kids go to a school literally across the parking lot from my office. We have an elementary school almost on our campus. So I'm over there and then um, a stream of Grace College students start walking into the lunchroom. I didn't know why they were there. Um, and so I, I kind of they sat down and started having lunch with some kids. And so I kind of went over and like, hey, you know, what are you doing? Well, they were a part of a lunch buddy program. Some of them education majors, many of them not. And they were connected to a student who maybe needs it either because of socioeconomic status or because of some social anxiety, whatever it may be. They were connected to an elementary student where they just went and had lunch with them. Yeah. And that is what makes me most proud. Like we're yeah. going and being Christ to students who need it at a local elementary school. And all the accolades on ball fields are great. All the academic achievements are wonderful, but going and making a difference in someone's life on an individual basis is where it's at, because that's what Christ did. That's just practical Christianity at its root. Yes. And I and, and, and talking with you today, I see why when I talked to John T. Van at your inauguration, why he's so excited about the future of Grace College and Seminary because of what, because of your, of your passion, of your vision, of your commitment to serve Christ in all that you do. Drew, keep up the great work. Take care of Stephanie and your kids, and I hope to see you down the road. And uh, thanks for joining me this week on the Cedarville Stories podcast. Thank you, Mark. I appreciate the opportunity, and thanks for all that Cedarville has done in our lives. Thank you for listening to the Cedarville Stories podcast brought to you by Cedarville University. If you were encouraged by today's episode, share it with a friend. Please rate and review this podcast on your favorite podcast provider. And connect with us at Cedarville on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And be sure to come back next week when we'll hear another inspiring Cedarville story for God's glory.